Welcome to the Modernizer Die Podcast, CFML News Edition, where we keep you up to date with everything going on in the Cold Fusion community. We'll share the latest news on events, releases to engines, frameworks, libraries, and tools, as well as spotlighting quality content from the community. Welcome back to another Modernizer Die Podcast, the CFML News Edition, December 8th, 2020. We're almost there, Brad, almost into the year. You know, you say welcome back, but what if we just never allowed our audience to leave? They were just stuck here like a like a Twilight Zone episode, you know? <laughs> Let us out. That would be fun. Interesting. <laughs> <Different>. <laughs> you have to see every episode now. That's why I don't let Brad make all the decisions. Most mm, of them, no. but not all of them. <laughs> I made all the decisions. This podcast would somehow run on command box. I don't even know what that means, but we'd, we'd figure it out. We probably could. I'm surprised you don't have a little command box CLI for changing the slides in the background. Anyways, <laughs> um, well, thanks to our sponsor, Autis Solutions. Without Autis, we would not be able to do this. And one way you can say thank you back to Autis is by signing up for CFCast. We have new and free, uh, sorry, new, free and paid content re being released almost every week. And now it includes Coldbox Zero to Hero training series. So we've already dropped about eight or 10 videos. There's over 30s in the series. And if you want to listen to me ramble on more and more, um, you can go check out that series on CFCast.com. So. Nice. So the Zero to Hero training series, do you know if that's available to the monthly and uh, yearly subscribers or are those um ad hoc purchases on it's, top it's added to the monthly subscription which i i was pretty surprised so wow. you guys are getting uh you know a pretty hefty price tag of a normal training in a virtual form as part of your subscription service so that's pretty neat um like i said there's over 30 videos um and basically you'll listen to me talk and i'll show you how to do something and then there'll be hands-on exercises with step-by-step -step instructions so you can do it yourself so it's very uh very much the same content we do in uh in person we do the training uh the only thing is you don't get the instant feedback if you've got a problem etc but you can try and reach out to us on uh slack or by the support and we'll try and help you out but other than that you get the same content and yeah with the subscription that's a pretty good deal so sweetening the deal nice yeah we know that the cold box you know training series is a bit of a gateway drug to all the other great cold box stuff we have so <laughs> we we might be uh just giving you something it's you, a you've it's heard the phrase the first one's free yeah <laughs> <laughs> and uh so that's uh that's new content on cfcast we'll talk a little more about that shortly and then uh the other thing is, of course, we can't do this podcast without our Patreon supporters. And so, Brad, how many do we have now? Uh, according to the show notes in front of me, we have 33 patrons providing 50%, 57% of the funding for a Modernizer Die podcast. That's pretty dang cool. It's good to see so many of the community members stepping up and uh, helping us with their hard-earned money. And we'll thank every one of them at the end of the show. So, um, What if it wasn't harder? And what if they just won the lottery? Just, well, then just came easy be, to them. They should be donating more. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's right. If you won the lottery and you're out there on Patreon, step it up, people. Yep. Come on. For sure. Okay, so let's get into the news. Um, other than the Olympic news that Brad just told me about, uh, what was it, Brad? <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, Breakdancing is now going to be an official uh, sport of the 2024 Summer Olympics. So. This is one of the most pressing issues in the cold fusion community today, I believe. Yeah, it's like, how can we get these conferences back up and in person so we could have these competitions so we could figure out who we're going to send? 
<laughs> yeah, like what's the best the Cold Fusion world has to offer in the breakdancing category? <clears throat> yeah. Anyways, let's get to some real news. <laughs> so I didn't even see this uh, this first one here. Hotfix released for Cold Fusion 2021 date mask compatibility issue. Yep. So Charlie blocked kinda, about it. So. Yeah, I kind of figured they would just leave it. Everybody would have to shake out their code, but it looks like they reversed it. Yep, and so I've got the screen share for those watching. I guess we should explain what the heck we're talking about for people who missed the previous episodes. Well, maybe but we basically, should go back and watch it. But no. <laughs> <laughs> In Cold Fusion 2020, well, let me back up. In all previous versions of Cold Fusion and Lucy Server, you could use an uppercase or a lowercase D uh, to get the day of the week um, in your date masks for like the date time format function. But in, in 2021, that was changed where an uppercase D now stood for day of the year. And you had to specifically use a lowercase D for day of the week. And of course, there's a lot of cold fusion code out there that was a little sloppy about upper lowercase D, whatever, it all works the same, right? Well, not anymore. And as Charlie had pointed out, you could severely throw off your date calculations when suddenly, you know, the the, the day part of your, your mask goes from like five to like 250 you know, because of the 250th day of the year. So yeah, that had the potential to be a bit of a, a nasty thing. So it looks like there's a hotfix jar. Yep. And there's three steps to basically go through and implement it. And so you have the option with the with the JVM argument if you want to use it or not. Oh, interesting. That's a little disappointing. I was kind of hoping they would come up with like a new unique letter to represent day of the year. You already but have it, the day of the year as a, a single Y. It's always been that way. Okay. Yeah. Oh, so the, so it's not like you can't do it then. No, exactly. Right. They just they just changed it, and uh, well, we see a couple of tweets later on from like James Moberg where he actually went and found documentation in like the CF eight uh, books. They all use uppercase D's in several places, etc. So if you're using code <laughs> you copied from Adobe from previous years, it it, it still happens. So. And as right. as he says so here, so if you want the new behavior, you can add the JVM arg. Otherwise, this hotfix will put it back the way it, it used to work. Yep. And like I said, it's it's pretty major. When you're looking at just a normal date mask, you know, just month, day, year, if you're using capitals, you're now going to get weird stuff. So uh, good to see that they jumped on it pretty quick. Uh, and then, again, Charlie's great for spelling out everything. And, you know, he, he walks through every little bit. And so perfect. Thank you so much, Charlie. And thanks, Adobe, for getting that out. Yeah, I assume this hotfix will it. probably be rolled into the next or the first updater. Yep, and then uh, but they need to get Coldbox working before they release the first updater. <laughs> yeah, and then I know Coldbox. Uh, sorry, Coldbox. Scott's been working on that as part of the uh, regex for it. So if you do want to go and update your code to to work, so he says he should have it ready before maybe the end of the show. Should maybe sort of, but uh, yeah, there's some regex and. Uh, I know that Charlie and, and Scott have been working on every podcast since we started <laughs> talking about this. And uh, there's a lot of edge Scott, cases with all the different Scott functions. can only work on it during the podcast. Yeah, It's kind of like the movie where the, the bus has to go over 55 miles an hour where the bomb goes off. Scott can only work on the regex while the podcast is going. So we're just going to have to keep pushing through until he has it done. Otherwise, he has to wait until next week. <laughs> yep. Okay, so... Uh, Hopefully that'll help some people looking to move to 2021. Uh, we also have just a, a link that James Moberg, like I said, he was tweeting a lot this week. Uh, he shared a link to the 2021 deprecated features, which I thought was something worthy of 
um, sharing. So yeah. this shows sort of a, a table, and it talks about deprecated, deprecated, unsupported, removed, and retired. So it is actually true that some things do get removed from Adobe Call Fusion because for the yep. longest time, everyone says that backwards compatible is king, and they do do that. But there are things that are removed, um, deprecated. Um, so a lot of different things in here. A few of them you probably recognize, like flash forms, um, portlets, some of the report builder stuff. Some will confuse the difference between removed and retired. Removed means the feature will not be available in ColdFusion and cannot be used. Retired means it's not available as part of the default installation. Oh, you can still enable them. So hmm. basically, you can still manually install it. So you can still huh. use them if you need to. So these, so, so the Flex, flex remoting, yeah, Blaze DS. So Flash when you install forms. 2018, you don't get them unless you go play with the config files. Okay. It's interesting. It's like if you really, really want it, you have a way to get it. I mean, 2020, about 2021 is in a good position to be able to have that kind of thing in the same regard that Lucy has been for years, which is, you know, this terrible feature that nobody likes, but there's like, you know, 50 people out there still using it hardcore. And you're like, okay, move it into a module extension, whatever. Let those people install it. <clears throat> but it doesn't have to be part of the the core installation. Yeah, so some of the big stuff here is the Cobra integration, the LCDS integration. Don't know what that is. Corba. Um, Flex and well, Corba is the, the old database no, you, stuff. No, it sounded like you said Cobra, like oh, the snake. Sorry. Stuff can have a few Alexa, stop. <laughs> Alexa's here to iron it out for us. Yep. So <laughs> we have a <clears throat> Flex integration. The value fire now from the attribute on this fire of CF schedule. What? Fire? Yeah. What are you talking about? Where are you at? So I guess with CF schedule, if you have a misfire. Oh, you fire get... now. Huh. Huh. I know. And the flash paper format's been removed from CF document <laughs> and CF presentation. So yeah, so this is a, a pretty pretty good document. Uh, some of the stuff in there I didn't know. I mean, I knew that things like the HTML edit format was deprecated, but I don't know if it's actually been removed or not. It looks like it has been removed in the 2018 is that and unsupported so unsupported means you can't use it or i think it just means that if it's yeah. broken they ain't fixing it i don't gotcha. even know what half the stuff is like get k2 server dot count yeah added in cold fusion mx deprecated in 2018 like what what is that yeah, i'm not get sure k2 server dot count limit so a lot of good stuff. I mean, if you are upgrading, I'd definitely check that out. Look for the 2021 updates and see what's different. Um, and it's nice to see the different versions all listed in the same document too. So uh, like I said, James has been busy tweeting quite a bit this week. So that's pretty good. I actually then, saw someone on the mailing list or Slack or something the other day. No, it was on Facebook, the, the cold fusion Facebook group. And they were using the flash presentation uh, feature the CF presentation tag, which of course I believe was removed in 2021. Is it removed? Retired? Uh, or actually, it says retired since 2018. So you could re-enable it if you want. Interesting. The wording of the question implied that it just straight up didn't work. Hmm. Well, maybe they didn't know that they could re-enable it with some configuration so. changes. I mean, the, the suggestions given to them in, in that Facebook thread was just to use the HTML output, which I think is sort of the, the obvious 
um, solution for that, assuming it supports the same features. I'll be honest. I remember seeing Ben Ford um, demo the CF presentation stuff way back when to the Kansas City user group. Um, I don't think I ever actually used the tag. <laughs> Always yeah. known it was there, never used it. There's a lot of tags in there that I, I've never <laughs> used. But someday you may need them. Okay, so we have a bit of sad news too for the community. Um, for those who knew mm -hmm. Will Genovese, he lost his battle with cancer this last weekend. So you know, just wanted to let people know for those who might have run him into at different conferences we had. Uh, he's a, a big member of the community. And so our thoughts and prayers go out to his friends and family. We have a couple of blog posts uh, remembering Will. Uh, so the CF Web Tools team mm -hmm. worked with him for a long time, so we'll be spotlighting it there. But we just want to bring that up as well so sad news he will yep. be missed okay uh preside had a christmas release this last week so they released 10.13.0 sounds like some eric uh Simber releases right <laughs> <laughs> so uh they bring a trevor trove of new features and improvements to preside uh and it is a pretty big list too actually for those watching you can widgetception. see widgetception i like the sound of that yeah We've got some reception <laughs> going on, but lots of uh, new features and improvements and quite a few bug fixes too. Uh, it's kind of nice to see all the contributors they have as well here. So in the little description, mm -hmm. you'll see that they've got uh, quite a few. And yeah, a, lot of, nice, a lot of those names. Yeah, exactly. So good to in see. In fact, we have some Patreon supporters in that list. Yeah, we do. <laughs> uh, it's good to see uh, they're doing good and getting another release out there. So keep it going. Okay, now this week uh, we also have something else pretty awesome. Uh, GitHub Universe is going on this week. For those of you who don't know, GitHub yes. Universe is a three-day conference from GitHub. It's going on. It's already started. I watched the keynote earlier while I was getting ready for the podcast. Um, but it's basically 8.30 Pacific to about 2 p.m. Pacific. It's got three days, four sessions, over 70 different talks, uh, lots of great content. And that's available up on GitHub Universe. And the cool thing about it is you can just watch live on the site. You don't have to register. You don't have to give your information. You don't have to do anything. Wow. And there's four channels available. So uh, after the podcast, go check it out. And the cool thing is about it is that um, the cool thing about it is that we actually have uh, all the videos will be freely available to watch the next day. So basically they live stream today and at the end of the day, they'll cut them all up and make them on demand for tomorrow. So uh, if you miss something today, don't worry about it. If you've got some work to do for once, uh, yeah, you know, you can watch that video on demand tomorrow once they, they cut them all up. So I like their channels. They have the developer channel. They have the enterprise channel and they have the play channel. So yeah. the play's like got some Raspberry Pi stuff in it for you. Yeah, so they have like stuff towards like, you know, open source and project maintenance, stuff towards, you know, industry experts, security, scalability, and then stuff that's just kind of like entertaining tutorials, performances. Yeah. It's kind of cool. Yep. And then GitHub University. What is this? Hmm. Yeah, a little play on words, pun there. Yeah. But yeah, so that's a lot of it's, you know, one of them they had about just working with your community and they had stuff about, you know, career stuff. So it's, you know, more in general learning, not specifically developer uh, development skills, but more soft skills and, and everything by the looks of it. I wonder how much of stuff like this came about as part of Microsoft's acquisition of, of GitHub. 
Yeah, because I know Universe, uh, GitHub Universe has been around for quite a while. They were talking in the keynote that they've had five of them or something, but usually they're oh, not wow. done streamed live. I'm yeah, sure I if they're in can't person say I'd ever not. heard of it. Yeah, I've heard of it before, but I couldn't remember if it was online only or in person. Um, you know, and we're, we're limited to the number of conferences we can attend, but these online ones make it easy to get in there and grab what you need. And they're doing <clears> some pretty cool stuff with GitHub, and the keynote highlighted a bunch more uh, pretty cool features. So makes you wonder if all these online conferences will make it so nobody wants to go back to in-person conferences when all the lockdowns are over, or if it'll like expose people to all this interesting online stuff. So they'll want to go to the in-person one. Yeah. I, I know a lot of people are enjoying the online stuff because they can get to see more and little bits and pieces, but everyone's dying to get back in, in person. <laughs> Although I must say watching TV and seeing something, you know, pre COVID and I see a, crowd and stuff i'm just like they're not distancing they're not distancing <laughs> <laughs> i'm like wait what's going on here so it's it's funny like we're training our brains it's gonna be weird when we do go to a conference like there's people everywhere it's like why am i at walmart <laughs> yeah it so. is it is weird how like your immediate reaction when you see that now is like oh my gosh mm -hmm. everyone's so close together yep exactly okay well we have a couple of uh cfug meetings or uh, I guess one CFUG meeting right now, uh, the Seattle CFUG for hands-on deep dive into interacting with Thinkific API. That's going to be December the 9th uh, at 6 p.m. to 7 p.m. Pacific. It was originally scheduled in November, but they rescheduled it. Um, so that is available up on meetup.com. And so I'll share the link for that here. Um, so that's going to come up Wednesday night, tomorrow night for those watching live. Um, and they have the video for the first session, which is more getting started with the Thinkific API. This one's more in depth and they can do a lot more, uh, work on this one. So I'm going to be definitely watching those videos. And then next up, uh, another online meetup through, uh, meetup.com is the online ColdFusion meetup, uh, hosted by Charlie Earhart. And this week we've got some clown called Brad Wood talking about command box. Sounds boring. Jeez. Yeah. You going to go watch that one, Brad? <laughs> Probably not. I'm sure I have to wash my hair, or do something more important, catch up in the Mandalorian. Um, yeah. So uh, big thanks to Dan Wilson. He's been helping Charlie out, uh, lining up speakers for the Cold Fusion online meetup, beating the bushes. Um, so the the command box topic I've talked about before on the, the online meetup, but it's difficult to do like just an overview of command box anymore inside of a, you know, a 15 minute window, just because there's so much stuff you kind of just can barely touch stuff. So I, I told him that I would do a talk that kind of focused on just like the server aspect of command box. We could kind of dig into that and unpack more of it. Yeah. Um, I think that's probably the most common used popular feature of command box um, between, you know, Docker and deployments. I've got a lot more conversations that happen now on a regular basis of I want to use command box for production. What does that look like? How does that work? Is that safe? Is it secure? Is it as fast kind of stuff? Um, the answers are yes, 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 by the way. Um, so uh, I figured I, I told him I'd do a talk that just kind of dug into the, the server stuff to help um, <clears throat> demystify some of that. I still run into people, um, you know, they've been using command box uh, for a while, even for local development. Um, but they're not always aware of some of the really basic bread and butter features, like, you know, being able to do a debug start and finding where the, the, you know, server logs are and things like that. So yeah, I'll try to hit a lot of that. 
What's lots, that? I said there's definitely lots in there. You always learn something when we watch Brad. <laughs> you know, if it, the my my end of the box Latam session, it was kind of hard because I was trying to force myself to talk more slowly, um, since obviously I was presenting in English to a, a a Spanish conference, trying to make sure everybody could get you know things translated or questions answered. But <sighs> this will be in English to an English audience, so I'll just talk as fast as I want. <laughs> Yep. So uh, be prepared. <laughs> Actually, I say this to an English audience. It's probably not even true. I know that Charlie has a, a large um, swath of Cold Fusion developers that watch the online meetup. Yeah. Um, it's also interesting the the time that it's offered at. Um, Dan had a whole bunch of data based on survey feedback that they they poll all of the you know online meetup people. What time is the most convenient time for you? Um, and the voting was like very obvious, like certain times of day that it was like, yeah, that time works really well. Um, cause I had, I kind of like questioned, like, is that time really best? And Dan was like, yeah, here's the graph. I was like, oh, wow. Yeah. That time's the best. Like <laughs> there's the data. <laughs> nice. Yeah. And the, the survey was really like interesting. That. There's some good <clears throat> stuff in there. So anyway, yeah, that'll be fun. Yep. And then uh, if you missed last week's online CF meetup, um, how to build progressive web apps with John Wago. Um, that was last Thursday, December 3rd. And then the recording is up on YouTube already. So I'm going to share that in the show notes so you can check that out. So pretty cool. Um, and John is actually the author of Pearson's learning progressive web apps, uh, little website there. Um, yeah, I definitely want to follow up. I did not get a chance to see that one. So I'm going to watch that video soon. Because uh, I use some progressive web apps. We did uh, you know, into the boxes uh, web app this year, and that's because everyone's sick of downloading apps for websites. So uh, it's kind of cool. I want to see if there's any other features we should be using for next year's into the box, which we're still planning. Depending on uh, <laughs> COVID, we'll see if it's going to be in person or not. So yeah, yeah, make some decisions. Nearly impossible on that to soon. guess what it will look like for sure. Now, we didn't talk about this uh, with you because you weren't here last week, but the Advent of Code 2020 started uh, December 1st. So is that something you've been participating in in the previous years or this year, Brad? No, it isn't. I've always heard of it. I've never actually uh, done it. Whoa, their website's interesting. Yeah, they try and make it ASCII-fied. Yeah, it looks like uh-huh. I just like clicked into a, you know, a Telnet terminal or something. Yep. So, um, so they basically have all these these puzzles, and then every day of the of the month, uh, you have two puzzles. If you complete the first one, you can move on to the second one. Um, and it was started quite a while ago. Um, but yeah, so there's you can basically do it in different languages and everything. It's made to run um, pretty quickly, and even on old hardware, you can run these. Um, but yeah, so there's some some tips and tricks. But it's just kind of fun. There's some easy puzzles, some hard puzzles, and you know, there's some. I think there's a Slack group too about um, puzzles, and some people are talking about it in there. If you're in the CFML Slack, so I don't understand the ASCII characters. Is that supposed to be making a shape or something? Or I'm not even sure. I haven't looked at today's problem. So I'm just talking about just the homepage. Well, the homepage takes you to the first puzzle, I think. Oh, I know, but I'm talking about the weird ASCII characters on the homepage, the one through eight lines. It's just like. Oh, well, maybe it is. Maybe it's meant to make a picture once you get through all the different days. Because uh, huh. once you get through you know, 25 days, because right now we're on the ninth day. So yeah. those other ones are complete. I guess I saw some people talking online. So you, you can solve it 
in Saldi's in multiple languages, right? Yep. Do, do they actually have some way that you like prove or confirm that you solved it? Or is it just, you do it on your own and you pat yourself on the back if you get it done? Oh, that's a good question. Um, let's see, I've, I've looked at them and looked at the questions and everything, but I've never actually <clears throat> gone through and done it because of the different languages and everything. I know Eric said he worked with command box task runners last week to, to solve some. So huh. I guess we should, uh, need some more free so. time to play with it. Yeah. Yeah. I need to, to get in there. Okay. Alrighty then. Advent yep. code. Did we put the link in there. No, yep. we didn't. Advent code. Was... Oh, we did. Uh, no, not today yet. Oh, not in the uh, in the the chat. Yep. Just before we move on to the next one, we also have something from Vegarus about the date change. He's been bitten in the past because, as Charlie mentioned last week, all the date formatting type things basically translate to underlying Java formats. And so if you've mm -hmm. done things, we use capital YYYY versus lowercase YYYY. One is calendar year and the other is week year. <clears throat> so um, yeah, I think I've seen people hit that one. Yeah. So interesting. So because the week ends, so for the example is 2019, 1230. If you use capital wise, uh, it'll actually return the year of 2020 because the end of the week is 2020. The start of the week is not, but it looks at the end of the week, not the actual year. So lowercase everything, I think you'd probably be safe. That's probably the bit, <laughs> usually. Okay. We also uh, mentioned a couple the last couple of weeks about um, getting added in uh, the Sentry system. And I know that um, we've actually got a few people helping us out there. So Giancarlo started it. Brad chimed in. Will De Bruin is a paid member, so he actually uh, asked us for some help here. Um, and so there's some responses here. So looks like we uh, we're in this community supporter list now. We just need to actually. Uh, <clears throat> so the there's a, there's a, yeah there's a pull request that was sent and I, I had i had missed the link to it it looks like it was closed with a comment that it was already added in yeah um we had the pull request but that happened after will already um requested it, i believe and he got it added um because he's a paid member they have a little bit of support apparently and so nice Add so we just need to pay. get the icon added so that's what we're missing apparently is the fancy icon to go with it so but we are on the community list now. So anyway, if you guys um, um, check out that and maybe is the icon noise. part of the pull request, that's what or I was going to ask. Else? <clears throat> that's what I'm trying to figure out. Cause there were two things that we were asking for. One was just to be listed as, uh, as a community SDK. The other one was that when you go to create a project inside of your century installation, there's like a drop down that says what language are you using the other one was to be able to actually like add cfml into that which is different than just the sort of documentation aspect and i'm kind of curious if anybody chimed in on how to do that second one i just don't want us to be like yay our community sdk was added we're done here uh because that was only half of what we were trying to add i'm trying to read through because it looks like the people who replied only answered the first question which was how do we add this as a community supported I guess maybe a good question is, is there, <clears throat> does Sentry list community supported languages when you add a project or do they only list like officially supported languages there? I don't know. Trying to look real quick at the, um, the Ordis Sentry installation 
So when I click create a new project, it says projects allow me to scope events, blah, blah, blah. And there's popular browser, server, mobile, desktop, all. They have a bunch of icons in here. So out of the box, they have little buttons I can click for C Sharp, Elixir, Go, Java, Log4j, Django, Celery, PHP, Python. I'm curious if these are only their <clears throat> like first class supported languages. Good question. I expect a full I mean, report on my desk by the morning. <laughs> I don't know, because it would be cool to be able to get us added there as well. But like I said, I don't know if they'll add just community supported things. Now, I mean, these little buttons are sort of lame because all it, at the end of the day, the project is added the same. It's just kind yeah. of defaults some stuff and gives you a link to the docs, I think. But Yeah, like Will says, if you add Java as a language, you'll be fine. I so don't know what that means. When you're adding your project. Right. We don't want to be fine, though. We want to see Confusion listed. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't a matter of how can we get by with it. This is, hey, let's get Confusion listed. So, yeah, I mean, you can probably choose anything you want. You could probably choose Node.js, and it's still going to work the same. Like I said, it's mostly just to make it look pretty. But, like, I actually want to see CFML on this page showing the world, hey, CFML is a real thing that people use, and here's the logo of it. Um, it's more about the optics. But yeah, that's that's what I'm curious is how to be. I'll add another comment on that and ask specifically, how do you get on this page? Because that is obviously different than where we've gotten ourselves added this far, which is great progress. But... Yep. Well, while you figure this. that out, I'm going to jump on to the next thing. And let's talk about the CFCast <laughs> content. So CFCast, as I mentioned this week, we've done a lot of work with the Coldbox Zero to Hero workshop. So if you don't want to subscribe, um, you can just purchase the, the training for 250 which is, I believe, uh, less than half the price of the, the training normally. And you can see that we've released uh, the intro, the welcome to the Coldbox Zero to Hero. We've done some scaffolding. We got a hands-on. We've looked at the Coldbox configuration, part one and part two, NBC conventions, configuration files, adding a handler view and test. We have a second hands-on for you to work through. We also have the review of the hands-on. So talking about the links view and handler, creating your layouts and then that hands-on as well. So we're gonna go over the, the hands-on and the migrations and then step four hands-on, which is the migration piece that'll be released on Friday. So a lot of good content and the CFCast team and Eric has been working hard. And now you can see what videos are coming out and when. So you can see the whole shebang. So uh, there's still a few more hands-ons we're adding in here, but you can see all the content when it's spaced out and, and everything too. So they've done lots of work on the, the CFCast site lately. It's uh, really good. And if you got any feedback, let us know. We're, we're trying to make it a, a great experience for everybody using it. And uh, I think they're doing a great job to make that happen. Okay, Brad, so update. Did you find it? Find what you needed to on the Sentry stuff? or I added a comment to the discourse forum asking how you actually get it added as a project in the application itself. We'll see if anybody replies. Cool, cool. Okay, so let's talk about conferences and training. So first up, we have GitHub Universe going on right now. So that's the 8th through the 10th, as we mentioned. Uh, really cool. Check it out. GitHubUniverse.com. Um, lots of great content. Uh, this week, we also have uh, the Cold Fusion Security Training by Foundeo, Pete Freitag. So that's going to be on December 10th and 11th. 
um, from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m., and that is Eastern time. So two days, six hours total. It's online, and it's going to be taught by Pete Freitag. Uh, you missed the early bird, sorry to say, but the cost is $600. This isn't one of those Adobe early birds that lasts for, like, 10 years. It's no, over, baby. It's gone. Over. Yep. And so the Confusion Security Training, uh, like I said, it's a great class. You learn a lot. Uh, and if you can't take the course on these days, he did record last year's training. You can purchase that. I believe it's the same price. So if you really want to, uh, you know, get the most out of it, trying to attend this, you know, the live session with Pete, ask him all the questions, work through the, you know, the tutorials with him. Uh, I, I really like the setup. I think he gives you like a bank usually, and he has all these problems with it. So he shows you how to exploit them and then he shows you how to fix them. And then you fix your bank, so no one can steal your monies. Does the bank have real money you can steal? Um, I don't know. It worked too well. That was the course that would cost be a, a really, lot more. Think, think of this, though. A security training that you pay a bunch of money to get into, but you have the ability to hack all the money back if you're that good, and you'd actually get it for free if you could hack all the money back out. Just, just think on that. That'd be awesome. Cool. Okay. <laughs> You're not, not impressed with my idea? Well, I'm just thinking of logistics. Like, if it's a security <laughs> training, uh, what, can you hack each other's bank accounts? Because obviously yeah. the security guys would be pretty locked down, you'd hope. <laughs> and if and he's going to show you how to money. do it, it's like, here, I'll show you how to get into Brad's account. Because <laughs> he hasn't done this yet. <laughs> that would that would really but, raise the stakes. Yeah. To sign up for this training, you need to put your personal routing number in our secure <laughs> server. <laughs> yeah. And hope you don't get hacked. Sure, that's not a long con or anything. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we also have uh, going on right now the AWS reInvent conference. That is the three-week conference. Three weeks, yes. It's free and it's three weeks. I'm trying to get my uh, tongue moving on those, but it's Adobe. Uh, sorry, Adobe's Amazon's premium conference uh, with everything you could possibly imagine and probably some more that you couldn't even imagine from AWS. Um, so that's reinvent.awsevents.com. Uh, a lot of replayed content, a lot of live content. Um, register and check out uh, all this great content. So um, a lot of stuff here. Um, I'm sure they've got lots of announcements and new things, deep dives. Uh, but it's, it is their big conference. They usually have 60,000 plus people attending it. Uh, I wonder how many they're going to get online. But definitely a, a great conference and it's started already but it's going through december 18th with like I said, a lot of content is replayable so on demand so go register for free and get access to all that now just in case you missed it uh last week we had into the box the tam um so you actually presented how was that presenting to a mixed language audience um <clears throat> it was a little scary because i wasn't sure you know if there'd be a lot of questions or if there'd be like questions in Spanish. Um, I was feeling uh, sick on the first day. So I ended up trading my spot all the way to the last spot on the last day. So as oftentimes happens with online conferences, the attendance had waned a bit. Um, there was only um, a couple people asking questions um, during my session and they were all, you know, conversating in English. So it seemed like it worked. Okay. If, if anybody, you know, had problems understanding, they certainly didn't say anything, but, I mean, I was getting feedback and stuff. So I just tried to, you know, not talk as fast. And um, of course, you know, the introductions were all like in Spanish and stuff <clears throat> before and after, but it was really fun. 
I mean, it's definitely a different crowd. Um, you know, not a lot of the same, um, you know, typical faces you're used to seeing when you, when you put on cold fusion, um, online content, but I know that, uh, the, the ITB Latam team inside of, or just focused a lot on, you know, central South American countries. I know Luis was on like radio stations down in El Salvador and stuff like that, um, pushing the conference. So like I saw people, you know, talking about how they were excited to go play around with cold fusion and, and cold box. So yeah, it's a, uh, it's a pretty exciting thing introducing, you know, people in a world that's not very uh common with cold fusion to uh, what we have to offer yeah and uh, we made that free at the end in the spirit of the holidays uh so we can get more attendees in and uh you know really share that knowledge yeah because obviously price is a, a big a big barrier in the latin uh, world so um so we're happy that we were able to do that and i guess they're pretty good turnout had over 150 attendees so uh last year in person i think they had about 100 in person so we improved the the numbers and considering we weren't actually able to go out and you know uh, in person and they did a lot of work last year to get people to the conference um so it was it was pretty good and then the content will be coming to cfcast in coming weeks so i know they're going to work on getting that there but it's kind of cool that we had English and Spanish and even had a Portuguese session. So we're really going we multilingual with that. Wasn't so. that uh, Patrick uh, Leal? Who was that? Who did that? Um, I don't know. <clears throat> Let me look on the list here. I think it was Patrick Leal. I see him on our speaker list. Um... I'm Here searching for it. I yeah. Think. yeah, yeah. Object oriented programming with Cold Fusion, Portuguese language. Pretty cool. Yeah. So that was our first, first Portuguese met. session. Yeah, ever. I first met Patrick at one of the uh, Las Vegas conferences, the uh, Adobe Cold Fusion Summit. If I recall, I think he was in um, our Cold Box training. Very cool. So yeah, so that that content will be coming soon. Thanks everybody for attending, and uh, yeah, it's a good experience, and I'm glad it's uh, continuing to grow. And hopefully, we'll be back in person next year and uh, down El Salvador or somewhere else in Latin America. So I know I'm excited to maybe get a chance to actually go down to El Salvador for one of the uh, in-person conferences in the future. Yep. Okay. Next up, we had another, in case you missed it, Google had their Def Fest Silicon Valley, and so that was last Saturday. Uh, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m., there was two tracks, four hours each, and they live-streamed it on YouTube, and those live-stream recordings are available already, so you can go check that out. Um, there's quite a few different topics in there, um, so some are really CF-related, and others may not be that interesting, but, uh, you know, it's free on YouTube, so go check it out zap through what you don't like and um yeah definitely some some good stuff there so dev fest more than enough content to go around seems like lately dev fest just sounds funny i I just i had this vision of like piranhas in a lake just like devouring code or something it's dev fest (laughs) i don't know why it's just yeah i'm not sure how often they do this because it it was actually on meetup.com so i was wondering if it was this Oop, uh, apparently meetup.com is unavailable to uh, respond to my request right now. Uh oh. We have a message from Scott Steinbeck, which YouTube blocked as possible spam. 
those sneaky yeah. regular expressions. What are you trying to do? Hack us, man? <laughs> trying to hack our chat with your regex. Meetup.com works fine for me. It must only be down. Yeah, it, it just California. came back up right now. So, but yeah, so if you look there, it has a little more information about it if it loads. So, it's just a public group. It's a Silicon Valley group. So, I wonder if it's just a Google group, not actually a Google one. So, interesting. But yeah, so there's a couple of different you know, tracks here um, Flutter, Firebase, Progressive Web Apps. Um, site reliability engineering, reliability engineering, interesting. And then uh, growing your cl cloud application, TensorFlow, part of being back on a budget. So yeah, some good stuff there. So check that out. And then of course, Adobe Cold Fusion certification is now available online. Still got the introductory price offer at four ninety nine. Get it while it lasts. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they'll put the price up when they update it for twenty twenty one content. So whenever they do that, but that's available. You can take that as well. Okay, a lot of good content and training. Let's get on to the next thing. Which is, oh my uh, gosh, we haven't even gotten to the blogs, tweets, and videos of the week. Nope. Not yet. Dude, we're like 45 minutes in. What have we been talking about? I try to zap you through that century stuff. I don't know. Jeez. Uh, so first blog post, we have a, one by Will De Bruin. And so this one here is uh, talking about event.buildLink query params versus path variables. Um, and he's talking about how with rewrites turned on, um, sometimes your your params may get written a little bit strange. And so long story short, if you're trying to do something with dates and you don't actually have a date, for example, uh, it could be from date slash <laughs> then nothing and then slash to date and uh, Cobos get confused and think the from date is set to the to date because there was nothing in there and it gets rid of empty items in the list, etc. So just one of those Technically, things. that has nothing to do with rewrites. It's just STS URLs in general. Yeah. And so yeah, I mean, I just, from what I read, I think you could boil all of it down to two main points, which was, first of all, when you use the, you know, slash URL SES nonsense, you can't have empty values, and you have to have the handler and the action before you get to the key value pairs. Yep. That's, that's a, basically what I saw. A good summary, yep. But that, yeah. that could catch you off guard if you're used to, you know, how the traditional query string works. Um, so. Yeah. Yep. But uh, as usual, thanks, Will, for sharing that. So Ben Adele was busy. Uh, he's been working on um, converting some databases from MySQL 5.6 to 5.7. And so as part of that, he's got three blog posts we'll be talking about with JSON values. So MySQL 5.7 has some JSON support, which is pretty neat. Uh, and so the first blog post um, talks about incrementing JSON values in MySQL atomically. Atomically incrementing. Yeah. And of so... Course. It's what hard that to justify when he like, says atomically incrementing. Yeah, it means you blow it up, like you split the atom. And well, I think it means no matter how many things you throw at it, it's still going to do it without uh, getting a bad read. So, that's uh, well, yeah, it means yeah. If a hundred threads all increment the number, you don't have thread safety issues where you have overlapping gets and sets. <clears throat> yeah, and so he was doing uh, MySQL using MySQL's on duplicate key on duplicate key update syntax. To do an atomic upsert, which is pretty cool. Uh, and so I'm not going to go into too much detail because there is some complexity in, you know, working with JSON. Uh, I'll highlight a couple of things here. Like you've got these JSON extract and you've got JSON object 
Um, I can't highlight it. It goes white. It's weird. Um, but oh, it's yeah. weird. I see it too. Yeah. <laughs> so some of the different uh, um, functions in the other that MySQL gives you. Uh, it's I pretty. I think neat. it's a little weird doing like JSON stuff and in a relational database. It's kind of nice though. Like we've got stuff that we use, you know, we got a user profile and if you're using content boxes, your CMS and you've got a bunch of stuff that one company wants to store about users that other people don't like, it's hard to, it's hard to justify creating a whole bunch more columns and the, the, the MySQL no, stuff. You is misunderstood me. That I, I didn't say I can't imagine use case for JSON. I just said it's weird to do it in a relational da- database. Well, that's what it I'm doesn't saying, feel though. weird if we were talking about Couchbase, which of course Couchbase also has its own helpers for doing atomic increments and, uh cast stuff but yeah i mean it's, it's yeah as scott says in the chat i mean the database is way faster to to do that is it traversing it yeah i mean way faster than what they way have to pull it out of cold fusion and do it well i mean i think couchbase would be just as you know it'd be quick at the database I mean, just, level the cache level it's always going to be better than pulling it out and manually going through it yourself well that's a straw man i never said anything about pulling it out and manually doing it i said it felt it felt better to be using like a json document storage engine so yeah. i'm doing some stuff right now for some of our clients using couchbase using json documents thousands of them right and i'm writing nickel queries that run actual like sql like selects against json documents but I'm not doing it in my, in my SQL. I'm doing it in Couchbase because I mean, that's, that's <laughs> well, that's like because you, I know the client, and you can't do it in their database. <laughs> well, because they're on SQL Server, yeah, an, an, old, version an older version. Yeah, um, so before but the, that was added. I, the point is, like, there's really kick butt, you know, JSON support in a lot of this NoSQL stuff. I'm sure Mongo can do it as well. Yeah. Um, that's what I'm saying. It just feels weird to be doing it in my SQL. I don't know. It almost feels like. Well, that's probably not true. I was going to say, it almost feels like MySQL, you know, like wants to, you know, grab some of the NoSQL market. Maybe not. Um, yeah. I mean, because well, I can get incredibly performance selects that I run across, you know, thousands of JSON documents using the nickel queries um, in Couchbase. And it would actually be interesting to compare that performance. Is is MySQL actually going to be faster or is Couchbase faster? I'm sure Couchbase is faster because that's its primary tool, but someone else might not want to have to spin up a whole new, you know, document server, just add three fields and, you know, three possible fields into a user profile when the database tools can do it. I mean, I know like Postgres has a bunch of things that you could do elsewhere, but it handles really Postgres has everything. It does pretty much. Eric Eric Peterson is like our, our internal. Hey, Postgres can do that guy at Ordis. <laughs> Anytime we're like, hey, we want to be able to sort by semantic versions. Postgres can do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Postgres is pretty good. But uh, so so that one there, he look, looks at atomically incrementing. Uh, we also had a, another blog post by him. I'm going to jump to them so they're all relevant. Um, dealing with the column types, and so this blog post here, he dives into a little more about about that. And so, um, yeah, caution. This should have always been a normalized set of tables talked about. <laughs> um, but yeah, so just looking at different ways. So like I said, this is more of a, a set of blog posts that you should probably read together. Um, but he's got some nice little helpers too, you know, to try and clean up some of the, the syntax and make it more object-oriented and more readable. So um, definitely definitely check it out. If you've thought about maybe doing JSON, um, yeah. And Scott also said, make sure you put everything, uh, column names, lowercase, because otherwise you might live to regret it. <laughs> lowercase column names. Cut yep. It. So we got three great blog posts there for being on JSON stuff. Can we okay. use the? Can we start using the phrase tweet storm to refer to like when someone has a lot of 
blog posts or tweets. I just like that. Tweet storm. I mean, Jason, I know people... tweet storm, been the Dell edition. Yeah, well, it's not really a tweet. Well, I guess he did tweet about the master, but anyways. Well, I was thinking about it when you're talking about all of James Moberg tweets, but I just didn't yeah. see it. No, that could definitely be seen as a tweet storm. <laughs> <laughs> Although he wasn't, yeah, he wasn't like violent like some of the storms I see on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. More Log of a storm. Yeah. There we go. Yep. And then next up, we have uh, something from Pete Freitag. So talking about Java, LTS version, roadmap, and guide. And this catches a lot of people off guard because uh, he's like, are you using an LTS version of Java or the latest? And people are like, well, what's the difference? You're like, doesn't the L stand for latest? <laughs> yeah. So the weird wow. thing with Java is the long-term version. Um, you know, they have long-term versions that do last up to five years, I believe, and then uh, a couple more years with uh, extended support. But the trick was when they started releasing these new non-LTS versions, they were releasing like every year, right? Because uh, like 9, 10, 12, 13, 14, uh -huh. 15, and not LTS. Yeah, he's and one of them was, sorry, be until ahead. Java 17 that it's another LTS version. Yeah, because... Wow. That was the weird thing with the non-LTS versions, which some of our customers ran into. You know, it was like the version would be released in March, and then it would basically end of life in September, and the new one would start October. You know, recently. yeah. I mean, it takes government clients longer than that just to approve it, <laughs> and you're like, oh, never mind. It's already out of support. Next. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's the weird thing. Um, yeah. So looking here, most of them are only supported for six months, mm -hmm. and there aren't many patches of anything. And yeah, basically the next the next version happens right after it. So yeah. yeah, here fourteen was released in March 2020. Support ended in September, which happens to also be when fifteen was released. So basically, yeah, very very quick turnaround. So if you're using a server, make sure you're using an LTS version. Otherwise, you're gonna struggle. Which right now is basically Java 11. Yeah, until we wait for 17. And aren't we up to update nine on Java 11? Let me use my command box, Java search command. Yeah, JDK 11.0.9.1 is the latest open JDK version. That's good information because yeah, a lot of people get confused about what is the actual long-term supported version of Java. And it, it almost fears, feels weird that it's still technically Java 11, even though that feels so long ago now and yep. in Java years. I know we're on, was eight the previous long-term yes. before that? Yeah. Yeah, eight so was if... LTS before that. Yeah, and that's why Adobe stuck with 8 for so long before they moved to 11, etc. So. Mm -hmm. Okay, next up, as we mentioned, uh, remembering Will. And so uh, it's a nice little piece here by CF Web Tools um, about him. And so if you guys want to learn a little more about him, um, a little bit there. So again, sad news that he lost his battle with cancer. Okay, so... Next up, we have the blog post that Charlie mentioned about the hotfix for 2021, the date mask compatibility, compatibility issue, which we already touched on before. So we won't do that one again. But there is one from Fusion Reactor about load testing with Locus. Have you heard of Locus, Brad? No, I, I missed this post. Looks like it came out yesterday. I've so, used a number of different load testing tools, but not Locus. Yeah, so I thought that was kind of interesting. It looks pretty simple to get started with it. Um, Oh, locus.io. Is this an online service? Yeah, I liked it um, by the look of it because it's got pretty graphs. You know, it must okay. be Okay, there's something I'd used a while back that was called like flood.io. 
And it was basically like a, a scaled out online version of like JMeter instances that you could do load testing for like from the cloud and they would spin up, you know, EC2 instances. I wonder if this is similar. Let's see. I like this. I mean, because the thing is a lot of times, and I've definitely hit this, you run into a limit of how much load you can push from just a local JMeter instance. Mm -hmm. um, you hit network, you know, bandwidth limitations, you hit CPU limitations. Um, and if you really want to, you know, test some cloud deployment <clears throat> and you want to say like, what does a thousand users actually look like? Um, you know, it's really hard to get a thousand users being pushed from a local thing. You know, like I said, I've had my network adapter, you know, max out on the bandwidth it can, it can carry before I've, you know, gotten to the maximum amount of users I want to be able to simulate. So these, uh, these cloud services are, uh, are able to scale a lot better. Now what I'm curious is if Locus is free or not. Yeah, I'm not sure, but, uh, it looks like this one's the tests are running here uh, are pretty simple, they said, but it's one DB call per request, but this is a low-powered Fargate cluster running command box with CF Wheels app. The containers only have Thanks. two gigs of RAM, one CPU unit, but you can still see the FX Fusion Reactor showing here. So Yeah, you see where the CPU climbs up and then it just hits the top? That's usually when your performance starts to go... <laughs> <laughs> as yeah. soon as the CPU saturates, then yeah, you look at the request times and they go, yeah. usually the unless you have some sort of concurrency or locking issues, that is always the guaranteed point in time where your performance starts to nosedive is when the CPU saturates. Yep. So, I mean, this is a simple example and everything, but yeah, because you're never option, right? So maybe worth looking at. No, that's nice. See, I always performance test with Fusion Reactor. Um, because quite honestly, how, how the oh, heck awesome. do you know what your app's doing otherwise? <laughs> it's like, it's like performance testing with your eyes closed. I always use, uh, use fusion reactor in combination with my performance test so I can actually see what it's doing. Yep. Okay. Next up, we got a little, little blog from Dominic Watson. He's talking about gets HTTP request data as built in function and you can get headers method and body. Um, apparently the body part has issues and um, Ben Adele blogged about this like 10 years ago or something, but, uh, I guess Dominic also mentioned he found another issue. If you're, every time you call this, Lucy will reread the input stream of the request to populate the body. So See, every time. Interesting. I haven't read this, the Java code in Lucy that does this in a few years, but I have reviewed the Java code that does this. And I thought it explicitly did the opposite. At least at one point in time, there used to be all this logic because it wrapped the, the HTTP uh, servlet request and it would only read the request once and then it cached it. I would have sworn to that, which is very interesting that this blog post is claiming the opposite. I'm curious if this is a bug or if it just never worked or if I just misread the code back when I had reviewed it. Yeah. I thought you could call that function a million times and the first time it reads it all in and then caches it and then all the subsequent times just uh, uses that. I don't know. So there's a ticket there. You can go check it out. And I know they, they had put in some uh, a call box pull request related to this as well. Because um, there's a there's several, you know, event request context methods inside a call box that um, use the get HTTP request data method behind the scenes. And yeah, if you if if it is parsing that multiple times as he's suggesting, and you you know you hit that multiple times in the course of a request, that could be a lot of overhead. Hmm. Um, 
Yeah, I'm really curious about that since my understanding was literally the opposite of what Dom is saying was happening. But like yeah. I said, I haven't I haven't read through that Java code in years. Maybe it's changed. Yeah, James was saying that CF9 after reading it once it was gone, which was kind of weird. Well, That's well, from my bad. understanding, the underlying servlet request object. This is part of the J2E spec. It literally closes the input or output stream, whichever one it is, after you've read it. Like you can't read it more than once, which is one of the reasons that I thought it was actual requirement that that Lucy and I assume Confusion wrapped that request object so they could only read it once and cached it, which is why I'm a little confused because I literally thought it was impossible for you to read it more than once per the servlet spec. So I'm really interested in that. Now, maybe there's additional processing that's not just the raw reading of the, of the request, then that's what's being performed more than once. I'd have to dig into that to see. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would have bet money that you literally were incapable of reading it more than once, at least from the servlet. Which yeah, is why this you'd is so think interesting. So. Okay, well, oh, we expect a full report next week on that, Brad. Yeah, I'll get right on it. <laughs> so we have uh, another, I believe, uh, member of the Adobe team blogging about some of the new features in ColdFusion. So the MongoDB integration with CF2021. So if you guys are looking at CF2021 and want to look at using Mongo, uh, NoSQL database, you can find out all about it here. So it's a nice sort of walkthrough explanation. So very cool. We also had a little blog storm from uh, Andy Peterson. <laughs> so nice. he mentioned uh, he's trying to blog a little more now or get started on that. So it's good to see more people in the community blogging. And so one of the blog posts he talked about was updating Lucy as part of a vulnerability alert. Painless or as promised or not. And so Long story short, he was on 4.5 on one of his old servers and was kind of scared <laughs> about upgrading, as sometimes you might be, um, and was wondering how painless it really was. So basically, he swapped the JAR file, did a couple little things, and everything ran smoothly for him. So it was really simple, really easy. Uh, obviously, he wasn't using any code that was affected by any differences or, or whatnot in there. Um, so that was good, but it was pretty painless, and you can read about his experience on the blog. And he has a couple more blog posts in there as well. Um, and so another one was talking about running Adobe Cold Fusion 2018 and 2021 concurrently. So I remember when I used to give sessions on this before Command Box about how to install multiple versions of a server on the on your machine. That used to be a lot of work. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so he's showing you how to run 2018 and 2021 using WS config tool for IIS. So... Um, if you want to walk through here, he can show you how to get that up and running. So he's doing that so he can start playing with uh, 2021. So nice, nice guide there. And he does include the gotchas, which is the most important thing when you're doing these, because you assume everything goes smooth, but those hard lessons learned are the important ones. Uh, and he also actually did a blog on AWS S3. So I told you a bit of a blog storm here. Um, and so after watching Brian class's conference session at CF summit 2020, uh, he wanted to go play with AWS S3. So again, he's, I really like the fact that uh, he shows you with nice pitches about how to get, you know, adding the credentials in the cold fusion administrator, where to put them, how to do it, etc. So it uh, shows you how to go and get that all set up. So if you want to play with that sitting and you're not sure where to get started, that looks like a great blog post as well. Okay. So now let's get back to the tweet storm. 
it's not really a tweet storm, but uh, James did tweet some good stuff this week. So James Moberg tweeted and uh, talked about how the first six examples of date format mask attribute in 2013's Call Fusion 8. Is it really from 2013? I thought Call Fusion 8 was way, way, way older than that. Maybe they're um, is that old. Asking what year it came out in? Yeah, well, he has the 2013's Call Fusion 8 web app. I mean, I'm pretty uh, sure that was from like 2006. has the lists. Cold yeah. Fusion 8, um, July 30th, 2007 is when Cold Fusion 8 came out. Okay. See, I knew it was pretty dang old. Anyway, so he's just saying like the first six examples are all using the uppercase characters, etc. So that would do some weird things for sure. So, uh, email Cold Fusion 9, whack, not CF8. Okay, James. So I'll, I'll like your response. But anyway, so examples that show if you're using the official documentation, you might get bitten by that. Uh, that mask issue and maybe apply the hotfix if you're updating to 2021. So I didn't put all those tweets in there, but if you follow James Moberg, you will always find some interesting things on Twitter about Call Fusion. <laughs> uh, actually, there was one more. This one I didn't know if you'd seen. So I guess it was a storm. So true and false and yes and no are not always interchangeable in Call Fusion. Did you know this? So, Heresy. So apparently, um, some of the attributes. So I'm gonna blow this up a little bit here. So get as binary doesn't take uh, doesn't take true or false. It only takes yes or no or auto or never. So some of the attributes that you can you get know have on binary. certain uh, certain functions do not think yes and no is the same as true and false. So the question is, is that by design or is that just a bug and we need to put in a ticket so they can fix exactly. it? So. Interesting. Yeah. Like Lucy, I know there there's like a, you know, built-in helpers that do things like, you know, take an arbitrary input and turn it into a, you know, a true or false. Um, and, you know, anywhere in Lucy that accepts that always uses that same help for helpers, so you get the same behavior. I assume Adobe Confusion has something similar. And when you see a behavior like that, you assume that in that particular tag, they didn't use you know, of a generic helper, they just have some, you know, hard-coded list of values they check for. But the inconsistency is definitely not a good thing. Yeah. Interesting. And back to James's comment about the date mass. Uh, when Ben Forte used to blog, he used to blog with the capitals. And so he blogged in 2013 about the CFWAC, which was released earlier. So, Okay. So that's done with our blogs, tweets, and videos of the week. I actually had to trim a few out because we got too many. So I just try to give you the better ones. So hopefully you guys enjoyed that. If not, uh, follow hashtag CFML or hashtag Cold Fusion. You can keep up on all the great content coming out. So next up, find a job. Get CFML Jobs has four new jobs this week. So if we look at the, the site, you can see we have... Um, looks like one job posted two different days um it's in montreal quebec so it's got a little french flavor that's uh, a full-time position there we also have a call fusion app application developer in hyperdad telegana in india and then we also have a call fusion and lucy developer in london england so we got some more jobs there and there was quite a few in the week before as well a lot a lot in november so if you're looking for a job get cfmiljobs.com uh, we'll help you out 
Uh, Otis did um, make a hire, I believe, with um, our job posting that we have on our site. But we're still looking for people. Uh, we're looking for good people. So if you if you'd like to apply, we're still accepting applications, and we'll be in touch about an interview and go from there. So the U.S. time zone availability is a must, and the U.S. citizen or resident um, or work visa is a must too. But uh, join a great team with lots of smart people and get to work on some fun and interesting projects. Not all of them legacy hell, but uh, we definitely help a lot of customers get out of that. So uh, you can check that out on autosolutions.com slash about dash us slash careers. Okay, so next up, Forgebox module of the week. So this week we have another one from Matthew Clemente. It's like he's like a permanent fixture on the show, isn't he, Brad? <laughs> I see what you're doing there. Yep. Okay. Well, this week uh, he showed us, or actually he added this a couple weeks ago, but this week we're going to talk about the Twilio Lookup CFC. So this is a CFML wrapper for the Twilio Lookup API, and that allows you to look up you know information about phone numbers, including region-specific formatting, carrier information, caller name. Uh, there's a few functions in here, so you can do caller, caller and carrier, carrier or phone number. Um, so pass in different information and get that back. And so uh, pretty simple. All you need to do is um, go to Twilio Lookup API and get your account SID and auth token, which can be found on your console. And then once you have those, then you can go ahead and use this little module. So again, uh, all of Matt's API stuff is built on top of the API framework built by John Burquist. So we appreciate his help in getting that set up. Uh, it really helps when all the APIs are all so consistent. So definitely pretty cool. Okay. So next up, we have our VS Code hint, tip, and trick of the week. I know Brad's not going to like this one. It's NPM. <laughs> Sorry, what are we talking about? I just heard an NPM. VS Code hint, tip, and trick of the week. The extension we're going to be talking about today is the NPM package. So this one is a little package by eGamma, downloaded over 3 million times, or installed 3 million times. That basically gives you some NPM support inside of VS Code. And there is some built-in support now with VS Code, just so you know, but this does add a little bit extra. And so what it does is it looks at your scripts written in your package.json, it looks at your dependencies, uh, and then actually does some validation. Uh, and so you can actually see errors in, in your warnings tab now to see if you have dependencies that you're not using um, or if the, the version you have is invalid or not. So there's some, some certain things there, but also it gives you the ability to run scripts too. So when you run a script, you can rerun the last script, run one of the scripts from there. Very similar to the way we do with the command box and the, the command box VS Code extension. But Yeah, I'm going to say... We have a command box code extension that I think also does this. I'm really curious in, about this feature, um, a report on modules that are defined in the package.json but not installed. Yeah. That could be a useful feature to have for command box as well. Because mm -hmm. you and I have both had the scenario where we do a git pull on a, on a client repo, um, not aware that somebody added a dependency into the box.json, and then we go to pull up the app and it's broken. And we're like, oh, what's going on? And it's like, oh, well, you need to rerun box install to pull down your latest modules. And we've yep. even talked about, you know, could there be some way that we could get something that would pop up and be like, hey, idiot, you know, your box.json <laughs> has new stuff. You need to install it so the app can work. Um, 
because that's sort of a missing a missing piece right now in the cold fusion world as well yeah we talked about doing like a box lock so you could see if the the version you actually have installed when you do a box install we create a lock file so you'd know which versions were actually installed and see if that matches up with what's in the package of json or and lots of different things so. well that's a different feature but yes we have talked yeah. about that uh yeah, shrink wrap i thought was the name wasn't it yeah there's this yeah shrink wrap feature i mean basically features like that would allow us to know if something's changed between the box json and the package you know the, the lock file as well so there's lots of different ways to do it yeah, but i think traditionally the problem has always been how how do you wh when do you detect it and where do you notify the user of that mm -hmm. um in the past we've detected and notified people on server start for lack of a better you know place to put it like the dot env module um by default if you have an env example file with keys that aren't in your env file your server start will blow up and go hold on wait a minute you're missing some junk that's probably isn't going to work right um but the the benefit of an extension is it can be maybe some overlay or pop up right there in your ide that you know you see that says hold on you're, you know you're missing something um i don't know which is better but that's a little bit nicer maybe than just preventing the server from starting but we've never had a great way to to notify the user about those things yep so it's definitely a good idea so it's a good little package for you if you're using npm in your apps uh you can get npm installed from vs code and yeah and you'll even have a little task uh, uh a runner tab inside vs code we can see your see all your scripts and you click a button to to run it or even debug it too which is kind of cool so. Or better yet, implement the model as command box scripts in your box.json, delete this extension, and install the command box extension. Solved. Yep, and I was waiting for you to say that because I knew you would. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why, but Brad seems to like uh, doing everything outside of NPM. It doesn't Anyways. have to be outside of NPM. It just needs to be inside a command box. Oh. Well, we could recreate everything and just make a task runner that does an NPM run, but that wouldn't be as fun, would it? So you can okay. create a command alias. You know, there's a lot of people that'll create aliases and command box for common stuff like Git. Um, uh, there was someone on Slack just the other day that creates aliases to do their Git commands. They don't actually have to ever touch the Git CLI. They just hit a command box alias and it runs it for them. So That's I'm sure you can do the same thing for NPM. Cool. Um, so Scott did complete a regex. Uh, I'm going to put that in the show notes. He's already got it in the chat for those who are watching. So in other news, Scott now has two problems. <laughs> yep, and he is using a Java patent matcher with that regex. So he has because it, it has a look behind. So uh, make sure you you take care of that. But if you want to try it, go for that. Uh, looks pretty looks pretty good. So if you're moving 2021 and you want to have the new update. Uh, that can help you look for the any use of well not any use but the date format date format uh date time format or time format wait is there a difference between date format and date format than the first two pieces scott maybe i'm losing my mind or should one of them be time format well you just have date format twice in there scott see so. he does have two problems <laughs> regex <laughs> Uh, good times. Okay, so last but not least, uh, we're at the end of the show. We have to thank our Patreon supporters because without them, we wouldn't be able to do this show. 
and we would have less funding for things like command box, forge box, cold box, content box, and test box, which Autis does work hard to try and give you all the box products you'll ever need, including a couple of new ones, which uh, we talked about. And I think next week we're going to talk about another one. So stash box, but uh, a lot of great products coming out all the time. So is it your turn or my turn, Brad? Oh, I don't know. It's probably my turn. I'm just busy so, doing stuff. I responded on that Jira ticket about the uh, about the request body with some links to the the servlet specifications. I did confirm that the servlet spec only allows you to read the input stream of the request body once. It'll throw an exception on subsequent reads. So it must be some other processing after that that's getting done more than once. But anyway, that's what I'm doing while you're having the podcast. Don't mind me. <laughs> um, no, I can read the the Patreon list. <clears throat> so thank you everybody here we go all right ben Dell, brett deline carl von stutten charlie Earhart, dali dan carr daniel garcia david bellinger didier lesnicki don bellamy edward cabezas eric hoffman gary knight again carla gomez jan yannick jason diger jeff mclean jeremy adams jonas erickson jordan clark joseph lamry kai koenig laskma with the t last name that i always butcher mario rodriguez matthew darby matthew clemente mingo hagan Patrick Flynn, Ross Phillips, Scott Steinbeck, Sean Oden, Stephen Klotz, Synaptrix, and Yogesh Matthew. Yep. So thank you, everybody. Uh, appreciate all the support. And thanks to everybody else who supports Audis in other ways with CFCast pull requests, issues, or just general good feelings. <laughs> general good feelings. <laughs> thank you for sending me your good feelings. I like it when you send me money, but your good feelings are also appreciated. Yep, for sure. <laughs> Hey, these days, just any conversation is pretty good, right? If it's not yeah, like I people know. locked in your own house. <laughs> yeah, just being able to see someone else's face. Oh, you exist. Yeah, exactly. Virtual six feet breaking. Mm. Anyways, well, you guys all have a great week, and we'll see you next week. And don't forget, our Christmas special on the 22nd might have a special guest. Ooh. So you'll have to... Might have a special guest, he says. Might have a special guest. The best thing is, there'll be one less of us to host the show. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I thought we're all in one room. We're all so close together. We're all just in the same room, right? We take turns behind the desk. Don't say that too loud. The COVID police will get us. (laughs) Get a warning from the health inspector. Yep. Okay. Well, you guys have a great day and a great week, and we'll see you next week. All right. Later, guys. Bye. Show notes for this episode can be found at cfmlnews.modernizeordie.io, where you can also subscribe to your favorite podcast player like Spotify or iTunes. We also have the link to YouTube to find more videos just like this. The music used in this podcast is under a royalty-free license from Sound.com and Bluetree Audio.